If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, and welcome to this edition of Joint Action. This podcast is dedicated to all those out there who have osteoarthritis. On the show, we unpack the truth and demystify the myths about the disease and its management. If you have joint pain and want to know more about how to manage it from the world's best experts, you've come to the right place. Without further ado, it is time to welcome your host, David Hunter. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Joint Action Podcast, where we have the privilege and opportunity of talking about an osteoarthritis moonshot. Now, the prevalence of osteoarthritis is increasing rapidly. The latest estimates suggest that about 500 million people around the world are affected. Now, the consequent disability and socioeconomic impact is enormous. And in that context of massive prevalence and disability, we're faced with a disease where its most pressing presenting symptom, pain, remains largely an unmet need. With that background in mind, there are huge opportunities here for us all to advance. Now, the Dutch Arthritis Society has recently launched the Moonshot. Specifically, they state that in 2040, osteoarthritis will no longer be a chronic disease, but rather an acute disease. Now, I recently had an opportunity to discuss this project with them and to look at research and development opportunities that are relevant to our international audience. And I had the privilege of talking to some of the architects of that project today. Specifically, Joyce Nabers recently joined the Dutch Arthritis Foundation after co-developing the organization's strategy 2020 to 2040 as a researcher at the University in Amsterdam. She's trained as a doctor, bioethicist, and in the field of healthcare organization, and she studied health from a variety of perspectives. In her earlier work 
As a researcher at university, she investigated the societal implications of upcoming reproductive technologies, ranging from IVF to artificial gametes and the artificial womb. In her research, she explored how these technological developments affect our ideas about child rearing and what it means to be a family and the relation with our bodies. In her current role at the Dutch Arthritis Foundation, she hopes to use this experience to identify and help realize promising opportunities that empower and support the health and well-being of people with arthritis. Corne Battenberg de Jong is the Deputy Director and Manager of Operations and Manager of Fundraising at the Dutch Arthritis Foundation. He's worked there for six and a half years at Roemer Netherlands, and his responsibility includes research, impact management, and investments. He studied at the University of Utrecht, business economics, and separately social studies. And in terms of the field of osteoarthritis, he's interested in developing new opportunities, creating network solutions, and patient-centered development. Hello, Joyce and Cornet, and welcome to the show. It's great to have you along. Thank you. Thank you to be here. Thank you very much. Absolutely a pleasure, and I really appreciate the time that you've given to us today. Now, before we get into the topic of the day, which is obviously talking about your uh, Moonshot project, I just wonder if uh, you both could just give us a little bit of a preview about what your background is and what your typical day is. Maybe, Joyce, if you want to kick off. Yes, so I have a background in medicine and then uh, moved towards the field of uh, innovation and organization in healthcare and bioethics. So quite a, a diverse background, I would say. I was working at the Vrije Universiteit in Amsterdam, actually, when I uh, was working on a project for the Dutch Arthritis Foundation to determine their strategy. And then uh, one day in my Christmas holiday, I got a call from uh, the Dutch Arthritis Foundation asking whether I would like to join. So I only recently started, three weeks now, so still trying to get to know everything and everyone. So that's a bit more about my background and what a typical day looks like. Well, at this moment, still reading a lot, talking to a lot of people, really dive into the field of uh, rheumatology, basically. And actually, today is my uh, free day. So uh, I think I'm just going to roam in the park or do uh, something else fun. Oh, that sounds brilliant. Corne. Yeah, a little bit of my background. I'm not from, from the work field of hospitalization or biotech. I'm a business economic person from background. I worked formerly uh, as a CEO or a CEO in healthcare organizations or in uh, education, uh, governmental organizations. Six years ago, six and a half years ago, they asked me to come into the Dutch Arthritis Society for the more side of ICT, finance, etc. in the Dutch Arthritis Society. After a couple of years now, I'm working as the vice president of Dutch Arthritis Society in the work field of research, valorization and impact management. And my normal, typical day is looking like a business development, talking with researchers, talking with uh, insurance companies, talking with, well, let's say, everybody. My agenda is built in from nine till six every day uh, with a lot of talks with a lot of people. So that's my normal day. And from the private side, today, just married 23 years and uh, three daughters in the 
uh, age of 18, 16, and 12 years old. And so also that, that fills a little bit of the evenings. <laughs> well, happy, happy anniversary. I hope you uh, have a wonderful day. Yes, thank you. And so Corne has just given us a little insight into what his typical day might look like in terms of obviously having uh, some interaction with the family. Joyce, any interests outside of work? Yes, thankfully. <laughs> So when I'm not working, I really like science and, and, and that's why I do what I do. But outside of my work, I'm really into the arts and, and design. So I try to go to exhibitions uh, or uh, art house cinema is what I really like to do. And I love doing sports. So I do a lot of kickboxing. And since COVID, I am a runner, actually. And what I really enjoy is doing odd jobs in the house. I think most people don't like doing it, but I love uh, fixing a lamp or electricity or anything, anything that is broken. We all need someone like that, Joyce, in the house. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is. I just enjoy it. Yeah, fantastic. Corne, other than the family, any interests outside that uh, keep you amused? Uh, no sports at all. I'm doing a lot of uh, work in the board of trustees from a, a couple of educational organizations and also in the sport club of my daughters. I'm the board, what I call the president. Now, um, in the interest of just interchanging between the two of you, Corne, if you had to describe yourself in five words, what would they be? In five words, busy, business development, focused and happy. That are the five words. Those are three, Corne. <laughs> oh, no, no, those are three. No. Uh, that's uh, you, that's, that's all want... good because I think business development accounts for more than one. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's three uh, from my side perspective. Jo Joyce, what about yourself? I would say I'm curious, optimistic, open-minded, and enthusiastic about the unknown. Brilliant. Yeah, great, great qualities. Now, obviously, the topic of the day, we're talking about a project uh, that you kindly invited me to give some insights on your your moonshot pro moonshot project, but I guess just before we get into that, and for these questions, please feel free for either one of you to address them. I wonder if, the, in the first instance, one of you could just tell me a little bit more about the Dutch Arthritis Foundation. Yes, uh, let's start in 1927, David. The Dutch Arthritis Society, with another cult name. The Vereniging der Bestrijding van de Rheumatiek, that's in Dutch, but um, that, that's how it's funded. 1927, a doctor in Amsterdam, Dr. Jan van Bremen, uh, decided that people with rheumatism diseases need more help than the normal situation. So that's where, where we are funded. Uh, so nowadays we are a 94 years old uh, organization. The last, what you can call 10 years, we are a grant giver for research, and that could be done by all private donations that were done in the last 94 years. The last 10 years, we are also a patient-focused uh, and patient-oriented organization. So what they call, we are also now a patient organization. Uh, so we are a hybrid organization now working on goals and perspectives for patients with rheumatic diseases and also specific for patients and consumers with osteoarthritis. So still grant giving based on the private donations, but more and more also a business developer with money from governmental sites and also from investors, and also uh, the advocacy for patients and information for patients and consumers 
with or uh, living with uh, osteoarthritis and rheumatic diseases. Yeah, sounds like tremendously important work and both from the perspective of being uh, an information provider, an advocate for patients, but also for um, providing funds for much needed research that goes on. Now, obviously the focus of today is about the Moonshot Project. I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about what that is and what the plan is. So last year in May, we were asked actually by them to do a strategy project. Uh, there was a need for a new strategy, a need for new moonshots, the aims that they want to fulfill. And they asked us in consult as researchers. I was working at, a, at an institute at the university focused on social sciences of science and technology, meaning how can we involve a lot of different stakeholders in new develop developments, not only researchers, but also government and also uh, people affected by policy, meaning consumers or other kind of stakeholders. So that's why we were asked actually to join this project. And in order to formulate these uh, new moonshots for the Dutch Arthritis Foundation, we involved a lot of different stakeholders, meaning consumers with OA or other kind of rheumatic uh, diseases, healthcare providers, researchers, industry, government. Uh, and what we did is we had interviews, focus groups, but also a large dialogue, online dialogue already with uh, over 90 healthcare providers and researchers to really deep dive into the needs and desires and dreams of those people uh, working in the field to see where the Dutch Arthritis Foundation could best focus on and what kind of moonshots would actually cover those needs and, and desires. So uh, after about three quarters of a year, we then came to three moonshots. So maybe I can already highlight them. Or So the first, and I would say most eventually the main goal is the first one. So in 2040, osteoarthritis will no longer be a chronic disease, but an acute disease. Then the second moonshot is we realize precision medicine for people with osteoarthritis. And precision medicine, they should think about prevention, prediction, personalization of care, and participation of consumers with OA. And then the third moonshot is we are the, the platform for the most relevant information and societal awareness of the disease. And well, these are ambitious goals. So we are now in the process of actually creating a roadmap. So if these are our goals, what are the steps we should take to get there? So we're currently in the process of backcasting and asking ourselves the question, if these are our aims, what are the milestones that we will need to hit in order to realize our goals? Wonderful. Thanks, Joyce. And I'm just wondering if I could just dig a little bit more into those three themes, just to understand them a little bit better. Wonderfully ambitious project, and hopefully you'll achieve uh, most of the aims that you set out in your roadmap. But I'm just wondering if you could just expand a little bit on more on what you mean by chronic disease and differentiate that from acute disease in terms of wanting the chronic disease to disappear and it just becoming an acute disease. I mean, it's not a surprise, but the most problematic are that for those people with OA are the physical complaints that they experience every day. And not only a week, like when you break a leg, but actually they have to accept that they will be a patient for the rest of their life at the moment of diagnosis. And what we saw in other fields is that, well, for a lot of illnesses, there is a cure. So you get a cure and you're not a patient anymore, a consumer. And we would actually like to take that step with OA as well. We want people not to have to live with a diagnosis for the rest of their life, but can we make sure 
that it's a reversible illness? Can we make sure that at the moment of diagnosis, it's only a diagnosis for maybe a couple of years and make sure that it's not a chronic disease that they have to live with every day and impact their life for the rest of their lives? Yeah, that, that's the, the right way you mentioned in the last sentence, that people with OA don't have to live it for their complete life every day. That That's that's the reversible side of our project. That there will be OA in 2050, for example. Yes, that could be. But our biggest goal is to achieve is that people don't have to live every day with their disease and have the, the impact side of their disease. And it's good to, to mention, uh, David, that our two first focus points, the, the more chronic to a reversible disease and also for the prediction side we see that we have to work uh, together internationally and that's not only based in the in the situation of the netherlands and the third focus point the platform side is more based for a dutch situation okay and and in terms of making osteoarthritis an acute as opposed to a chronic disease and i'm not sure whether this is something you've already elaborated on or will do so as, as part of the moonshot. Do you have any insights as to how you intend to make it an acute as opposed to a chronic disease? We have done a lot of interviews with also a lot of your international colleagues and yourself, David. What we see is at first we need to know more about the disease at, uh, at itself. So do we know in 2030, 2035 probably, enough about the phenotyping, endotyping, etc. of the disease. How is it created in the lives of, of the people? And that we develop also yeah, real drug solutions for this patient's group. We all know we can work more and more together based on the endotypes and phenotypes to develop for some smaller groups available uh, drugs that can give uh, new opportunities and new ch chances to, to live it our way. And after creating the roadmap in June, we would like to present them also to you and, and share them with the world. <laughs> Sounds like a great initiative and obviously very happy to continue to contribute in whatever way, shape or form I can. We use the word, we want to make it reversible. So that's a word that we often use. And in, in order to make it reversible, we are, it's really important what you consider the cause of the disease. And I think in addition to what Corneille already said is that this roadmap is really important to figure out what kind of different disciplines are involved in, in this cause of the disease. And indeed, genetics, uh, how about uh, lifestyle uh, influences? What about uh, epigenetics? Uh, you know, we've also heard about uh, the causes of pain and how that can be maybe a parallel path in the disease and not only a result of the disease, but actually sustain after structural uh, causes have been uh, fixed. So I think in answering your question, David, we are still in the process. And, and when we want to answer this, it's really about thinking what kind of different causes do we see and how do they interrelate? And I think that's also a process that we start now, but most definitely we'll find different answers to that questions in the upcoming years slash decades. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously a complex problem and it's a big goal that you're setting for yourself, but one that's obviously lofty and that makes it really, really appealing, I think, for both the community of researchers, but also hopefully for consumers out there that, that have osteoarthritis. The second piece of the platform is around precision medicine. I just wonder if you, again, could just expand a little bit more about what 
precision medicine means and what you mean by that term? Yeah, I think it's a term that is not uh, new and is not specific for the field of rheumatology. So I think it was already coined in the 90s. So we use the term precision medicine with its four P's, we call it. So the first one being prevention, the second prediction, uh, the third personalization and a participation. And what I think in prevention, we ask ourselves the question, what is the first stage that we can intervene, basically? So what are the different, you can think about lifestyle interventions, as we talked about a lot before, David, what can you already do with sports and, and, and uh, food, for example? But you could also think about genetics, like can we already predict somebody will develop the disease? So those are questions we ask ourselves in this domain. Then prediction is all about, can you predict the extent to which somebody responds to a, a treatment rather than it being a, a guess whether something will work or not? Will we be able to predict this will actually help for you more than we do now? And then the personalization part is really about moving from a one-size-fits-all a method to a unique treatment that is actually accustomed or adjusted to your profile and biological characteristics, but also to your treatment goals as an individual. And then uh, the participation is really about shifting the consumer to a co-leader in treatment. They are in charge of their treatment, of the treatment goals, rather than the doctor being in control and the patient or the consumer asked in consult, we really want to shift that and make them the co-leader of their own treatment. Yeah. No, again, an incredibly important goal and something that obviously speaks to something that's very close to and near to my heart, which is obviously around prevention, prediction, and but also person-centered care. Corda, you mentioned that the first two parts of the moonshot, that being around uh, the reversible piece and, and also around the precision medicine, you're trying to incorporate international partners and flavors there as distinct from the last piece, which is the platform for information would be Dutch focused. Just in case anybody out there is listening who wants to participate in this project or contribute to it in one, one way, shape or form, are you looking for partners uh, whether they be researchers, funders, how, how are you going about this? Uh, thanks for this question, David. Just as told, I'm a business developer, so I'm always interested in contribution of everybody. To know the disease very well, we have to contribute with everybody in the world, I think, to, to, to share all the knowledge together and to know faster and easier all the access to all the information about the disease so the contribution of researchers are very welcome also the contribution of of consumers with OA or patients with OA is very welcome nowadays we work with a group of of dutch OA patients on our topics but it would be great when we could create an international con uh, cooperation or contribution uh, working on these topics uh, and the, and the, fun, the funding part, yes, uh, we are working on, there are the first steps, I have to say, the first steps on an international uh, fund for developing solutions for our, for our goals. Nowadays, we are mostly based uh, and working on the, on the funding of Dutch people uh, and Dutch governmental situations, but more and more from from Europe side also with the European foundations and European money, but it would be very welcome 
uh, if there are people who can contribute to our idea of an uh, what we call OA investment fund to invest in all kind of solutions for people with OA. And you may may not necessarily have an answer at this point in time, and it may be something that you're planning to to work out as part of the roadmap for the moonshot. But let's say, for example, there's already an existing database, an existing cohort that's been developed that includes data that might be germane to some of the content that you're proposing to work on. Will you look at and or try to optimize the use of existing data, or are you interested in creating new resources to pursue the questions that may come from the moonshot? I think for us, uh, we, we do not have the intention of starting everything anew and by ourselves. So for us, the moonshots are really what we're trying to achieve. And if that means making use of that, what already exists, and it actually brings us our one step closer rather than starting anew, that is something that we are very eager to, to contribute to. I think one of the advantages of our position in the field is that we can also connect research groups, for example, and see what different groups are doing and connect them in order to reach our goal faster. So I would say definitely we would use existing cohorts, uh, existing data, and trying to optimize its use rather than starting anew, because uh, that's not the most efficient, I think. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Now, you may already have begun elaborating on this, but I'm just wondering if you could just expand on what your immediate next steps are with this project and what, if anything, people out there in the community can look forward to in the near future? Yeah. So what we are doing right now, so as I said, the Dutch Arthritis Foundation is really rethinking their own position and strategy and has been doing that for the past year. So I have come in at a point in time in which we're really evaluating what are we doing right now and what have we been doing and supporting in the past years. So for me directly, I'm actually working on a portfolio analysis to see where has our money gone for the last years and building a roadmap. So we have a clear idea of what projects actually fit our mission if we get new researchers, new call, new research calls. But I think what we didn't touch upon yet and what is most important on a short-term uh, notice, I think, for people uh, with osteoarthritis or other rheumatoid uh, diseases is the third moonshot about the platform. And I think that can already be uh, of value within a half year. So that's actually something we're working on right now to improve our platform to make sure that we are the number one to go to information platform for people, at least in the Netherlands, when they need to find out the most up-to-date information about their disease. And I think for the upcoming years and years after, having this moonshot and having a very clear idea of what you aim to achieve will actually accelerate outcomes because what we used to do was we didn't focus as much. So then you get small results on a, a big scale of initiatives. And I think we will see faster improvements now that we have set clear focus in the upcoming years. Yeah, brilliant. And I mean, I think that that last piece, I wasn't trying to move away from the platform because I think transparency and consumer awareness and provision of information is so, so critically important. 
On that note, is there anything that you currently have available or anything that the Dutch Arthritis Society might like to promote for those particularly listeners that may be listening in from the Netherlands in terms of a, a website or, or a portal that people might want to go to to get information as, as it currently stands? Yes, we already have a website, of course. So they, they at this moment, can go to the uh, website of the, the Dutch Arthritis Foundation, so reumanederland.nl. But I, I would suggest, like, take a look in half a year or, or a bit uh, after that, because I think they will see a, a different information portal that they can find information on. Brilliant, brilliant. All right. Might move on to um, what I call the closing questions. And these are just questions that I guess get to know um, you a little bit better so that the, the listeners can know what, um, what makes you tick. But um, what I might do first is just ask you why you do what you do. What, what motivates you? Yeah. As I said, when you asked, like, describe yourself in five words, I said, curious about the unknown. And that is really something that is in my core so whenever there's an issue that we don't have a problem for yet and seems impossible to overcome that really triggers me and makes me very enthusiastic especially when it's for the quality of life of other people so that's why I started medicine in the first place but the innovation part is what uh, drove me to the Dutch Arthritis Foundation because I can really, I have the feeling that I can make a difference and identify a promising initiatives and, and make a practical impact on those living with uh, OA. And that is uh, a combination of, uh, of, of science, of technological innovation, and the feeling that you contribute positively to other people's lives. That is uh, what motivates me. Oh, well, maintain your enthusiasm and hopefully you'll continue to inspire other people out there who are working in this field and make, make a big difference for those people that have arthritis as well. Now, I'm not sure whether the word translates in the Netherlands billboard, but if you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? I really like this uh, question. Well, I would like to trade the junk food advertisements for the promotion of free sports subscriptions that will be funded by our healthcare insurance. That's I'm thinking a about a, bill, a billboard in 2030, I think. But yeah, that would be my dream to yeah. do that. It's a, it's a great idea because I think there's a lot of information that gets provided that probably leads people down, down the wrong path. But there's a lot of behavioral change triggers and, and motivations that hopefully they could get by, by getting the right advice. I really liked your question because I think a billboard really stands for what culture tells us is the right way to live. And I think what we have tried to do with these moonshots and what we try to do as a Dutch Arthritis Foundation is really move from healthcare to health. I think that's a movement that you see in the broader scheme of things. But I think that's what I really liked about this question about a billboard, because it's not only about healthcare, it's embedded in a whole society and the norms and values that underlie all of these choices. So I think billboards are a very good marker to show what we as a society accept and find normal or important. So I think when we have actually been able to make that shift from a junk food advertisement to free sports subscriptions, uh, that says a lot about uh, how our norms and values have uh, have changed. Oh, well, I, I look forward to seeing that happen in the Netherlands and we'll follow as quickly as we can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, is there any one piece of advice 
knowledge or wisdom that you'd like to give for people out there who have osteoarthritis? I think, yeah, as I said, I'm still learning so much. So I think I shouldn't be the one giving patients or consumers, sorry, uh, advice. I think actually I should advise myself to to listen still. I'm still in the position of listening to them rather than uh, providing advice at this point. Very thoughtful, very reflective. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we should all listen. We should all listen more, and we should all pay pay greater heed. And uh, as one of these crusty-haired white old men that sits in the ivory <laughs> tower of academia, I I offer too many opinions and probably don't listen enough. So yeah, <laughs> that's brilliant. Now, Joyce and Corne, who's unfortunately left us, thank you both so much for your time, for your insights, and hopefully you achieve at least some of what you set out to do with this moonshot project. It's lofty it's really important and hopefully it'll make a big impact to the field but again today really appreciate your time thank you david so much and uh, i hope uh, anyone that is inspired by our vision and our moonshot feel free to get in touch because we are very interested to collaborate and uh, to join forces to reach these aims brilliant brilliant and we'll we'll include some of those details the notes for the show so that that way people can access it relatively easily Thank you. Really, thank you for your time and listening today about a project that hopefully you find somewhat inspiring. A lot of what we do as researchers is oftentimes making incremental small changes. But I think it's really important to have people out there who are looking at making large, lofty goals a reality and knowing full well about the impact that osteoarthritis has I think we need to make more than just incremental change and really try to shoot for the moon. I really want to thank you very much for your time today, for joining in and listening to the Joint Action Podcast. And I look forward to continue to talk to you moving forward. Thanks for listening to Joint Action with David Hunter. If you like our show and want to know more, check out www.jointaction.info. If you have any questions, you can email us at hello at jointaction.info and follow us on Twitter at jointactionorg. This podcast was hosted by David Hunter, edited by Vicky Duong, music produced by Jordan Hunter. The information posted on this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Anyone seeking medical advice should consult a health professional. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible Resistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.